It's so good to have everybody in God's house today. I serve a faithful God. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We have been over the past few weeks, we have been in the book of Joshua. And I want us today uh, to turn in our Bibles to Joshua chapter number 14. God has really done some phenomenal things throughout this this book that we have read through. And um, I, I'm just grateful for for all the things that the Lord has poured into my spirit. And I know you have been blessed by uh, his word as well. So let's turn to Joshua 14 and we're going to read verses 6 through 15. Brother Chad, I'm going to switch over to the to the wire. Joshua chapter 14, we're going to read verses 6 through 15. If you have it, say amen. Let's, let's do something. I know you were just seated, but let's stand just in reverence of God's word. Let's stand in reverence of his word. Joshua 14, verses 6 through 15. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephna and the Kinsensite that said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Berna. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant, he's reflecting at this point. When Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Berna to spy out the land and brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. Let that be our testimony today. And Moses swear on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet hath trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive. And he said, These forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Now therefore give me this mountain. I think that's worth repeating for all of us today. Verse number 12, let's say it. Now therefore give me this mountain mountain wherefore the lord spake in that day for thou hast heard in that day how the anakins were there and that the cities were great and they were fenced and so be the lord will be with me then i shall be able to drive them out as the lord said and joshua blessed him and gave unto caleb the son of Jephunneh. Hebron for an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephna, the Kenzite, 
unto this day because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. This is so important that we get this. That he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Verse 15. And the name of Hebron became, was Kirjath Barma, which Arba was a great man among the Anakims, and the land had the rest from war. Let's look at this uh, series of texts. I titled it today, Give Me This Mountain. Just simply the words of Caleb. Give me this mountain. Look at your neighbor and say, give me this mountain. Give me this mountain. Give me this mountain. Let's pray together and then you may be seated. Father, we thank you today for your word. We're thankful for your goodness and your grace today. We ask that, Lord, that the Word of God would leap off the page and would leap into our hearts and our spirits. And, Lord, we would not just be hearers of the Word today. God, I pray that Your people would be doers of the Word, that we would be examples of Your Word in the earth, that we would be Your ambassadors speaking on Your behalf. The Word of God would flow like a fountain out of our spirit today. Lord, there are some mountains that we have to, uh, we have to uh, capture today. There are some mountains we have to to gain momentum on today. So God, we just declare as a people, we say, give me, give us the mountains in our life that you have set before us. We ask that you would increase, that I would decrease. And everybody said, amen. Come on, look at your neighbor before you see this. Say, give me this mountain. Give me this mountain. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for this series. I don't know how much longer we're coming upon Easter here in a few weeks. We'll see where the Lord uh, lands the plane on this thing. But Today, I just want to speak to you just for a few moments about give me this mountain. Give me this mountain. By the time you reach Joshua chapter number 14, Israel has been involved in the business of claiming the promised land for quite some time up to now. They have been engaging uh, the enemy in battle and they have, they have won some very decisive victories. Now the time has come for them to divide the land and to give each tribe its inheritance. When the tribe of Judah comes forward, this, this gray-haired man that's 85 years old in the midst of them, that he just simply comes forward, a man by the name of Caleb, he steps forward to claim his inheritance. Caleb, you understand, is a picture of the child of God who is not satisfied with the ordinary. Caleb was not just satisfied with ordinary things. He was not satisfied with just the ordinary things of life and just going through the routines. He, he wanted all that God had for him. Is there anybody in this place today you say, I want all that God has for me? That you're not just want to be stuck in what's ordinary. So this is Caleb. He was, he was hungry. He wanted all that God has for him. And at 85, he, he listen, he has not lost a step in his walk with God. He has not lost a step in his zeal, in his drive to fulfill all that God had for him. But he still has a good report that he and God's people are well able to take the city. You remember that was his report at the beginning of the book of Joshua. That when him and uh, when Caleb and Joshua entered into the land, the twelve spies went in and the two had a good report and the ten came back having a negative report. So at 40 years old, he had a good report. But what I love about this story is not just at 40 did he have a good report, but at 85, he had the same good report. 
He did not let the setback set him on the sideline of where God was going to take him. He wasn't going to let even what everybody else thought about the situation sideline him. He said, God, I want everything that you have for me. And at 85 years of age, he took the promised land that God had for him. Can somebody say amen? So we see here that uh, at 85 years old, he had the Bible said he had the same strength that he had. He had the same desire that he had at age 40. Now, we've oftentimes, we said that words in the Bible mean something. The word strength means capacity. The word strength there in the Hebrew means capacity. In other words, he had not lost a step. He had not lost a step in where he was headed for. He wants all that God has for him. He wants to fulfill the call of God upon his life. Here's the whole, bring it around to the barn. In full capacity, he wants to reach God's calling in his life. He doesn't want to leave anything left unturned. He doesn't want to leave anything left on the table. And it carries the idea of staying ready for the blessing. He was ready for it. He didn't know when it was going to come. He didn't have an exact timeline laid out. And how many knows you've got to just simply wait on the Lord sometimes? Anybody still waiting on some blessings of God? Anybody still waiting on some of the promises of God to be fulfilled in your life? Well, here's a story by the man named Caleb who waited for 45 years to receive all that God had for him. And in the process, he didn't get cold. He didn't get tired. He didn't sit on the sidelines somewhere. He simply stepped and stayed in the game and he fulfilled all that God had for him. He stayed the course. He waited for the blessings of God and he simply said, God, give me this mountain. Give me this mountain. What in your life right now seems so impossible? What in your life seems so problematic? What in your life right now seems impassable? That you can't go through this thing, that it seems hard. Like every step of the way is a struggle. Every step of the way is something. You see another obstacle in front of you. And God is saying, just simply stay the course, hold your plight, and He will eventually, if you are faithful, give you this mountain. So immediately, as I'm thinking upon these texts in Joshua chapter number 14, my mind began to cross-reference back to a man by the name of Jacob. Look at your neighbor and say, Jacob. Jacob, Jacob was a man, you remember, who wrestled with the angel of God all night long. He wrestled with, he said, he was saying essentially these words unto God. He simply said, God, I'm not going anywhere until you bless me. Now that seems prideful, doesn't it, to an extent? That does seem a little bit arrogant, if you will, but the blessing was not so much for him, but the blessing was for him to be a blessing unto others, you understand. So God understands the motives of our heart. And Jacob stood there. He wrestled with the angel. He was tired. But he said unto God, he said, I'm not going anywhere until you give me this blessing. And listen, I want you to understand the blessing is not for the weak. The blessing is not for those that are teeter-tottering back and forth and whether or not, you know, I don't know, God, whether or not this is going to work out. No, the blessing is not for the weak. The blessing is for those that climb the mountain and fight the battle to the very end. And if you fight it to the very end, then victory will become yours. So this promise is now over 40 years old. Okay? It's over 40 years old. But to Caleb, it was as fresh in his mind, it was as fresh in his spirit, just like it happened yesterday. It was like, 
fresh bread still in the house cooking. How many knows what I'm talking about? When, when mama starts cooking stuff in the home and all of a sudden the aroma of that thing begins to permeate. Well, that blessing that was upon Caleb's life was still fresh in his senses. He was still ready for the call of God. He was still ready for the mountain of God. He was still ready for that thing. So it was an unfulfilled promise that he knew God would follow through with. Listen, God said he was going to get it, and Caleb believed that God was going to give it to him. Somebody say amen. So if God's promised you a thing, stand upon that promise. Hallelujah. Begin to stand firm on that promise. So listen, God saves us. How many saved by the grace of God today? God saves us, and he promises us that we can have a life of victory and intense spiritual joy. But if we're not careful, look at your neighbor and say, if we're not careful, Rather than claim what is rightfully ours, we will choose to live in a spiritual wilderness, defeated and depressed. That's where the enemy wants us. Amen? In a place of spiritual apathy, in a place where you're just ready to give up. Have you ever entered into an equation and entered into a circumstance that you simply said, God, I just got to try to get out of this thing as quick as I can. I got in here. I don't know how I got in here. But now I've got to get out as quickly as I possibly can. Listen, can I tell you in those moments, those are what really truly make us as believers. To keep pressing forward, to not end up in a place of spiritual apathy. So as a result, listen, if we're not careful in those times, we will miss out on the peace of God. We will miss out on the joy of God. We will miss out on the fellowship of God. We will miss out on the power of God. And we will miss out ultimately on the glory of God. Nobody wants to miss out on these things. So the mountains in our lives speak of the journey. I mean, those we're on a journey for the Lord today. I don't know about you, but I'm on a journey for God to fulfill everything that we have. So the mountains speak of the journey. And we've got to be in this thing for the long haul. I want that to resonate in your spirit today. Because we're talking about a 45-year-old blessing that was about to take place because Caleb said, I'm in this thing for the long haul. I don't know how I'm going to get to this thing. I don't know how God's going to bring me to it. But I'm in this thing till death do us part. You understand that when we enter into a relationship with God, it's like a marriage covenant. And I don't know about you, but I'm not trying to break the marriage covenant with my God. I'm not trying. Listen, I, I'm trying. We are the bride. He is the husbandman. And I want to stay faithful in the relationship with God. And if this thing takes 45 years to receive the promise, let's go on the long haul. I'm in this thing for the long haul. God is not earning my trust, you understand. God has my trust. God was not earning Caleb's trust. God already had Caleb's trust. God had already brought him through a series of things, a series of miracles in his life. But he stayed the course with God. God doesn't have to, listen, he doesn't have to earn any more. I don't have to go through another situation. I don't have to see lightning on the parking lot. I don't have to see another miracle take place in my life, although those are great. I don't have to see another sign, a wonder, a miracle, or any of that. God has my trust. I said God has my trust. I'm not, he's not on trial today. I'm the one on trial today. Am I going to stay faithful in the process of God moving me forward? Am I going to stay for the long haul? So I don't want to be guilty. Listen, I don't want to, I don't want to be guilty of window shopping. Spiritual window shopping. Okay? Pastor, what are you talking about? I'm talking about willing to look at the promise that God has laid out for me or for us, but 
put no effort in obtaining that promise. But to put no effort, see, I don't want to be just a window shopper, right? I, I remember the story of a man, he said to his wife, he said, why do you call it shopping? You never buy anything. And, he, and she looks at him and says, why do you call it fishing? You never catch anything. Yeah, uh, that stings a little bit, doesn't it? As believers, we need to do more than window shop in God's promises. Okay, we, we need to appropriate those promises and claim them for us in our life. So when God promises a thing, we need to be hungry and we need to go after that thing, no matter how long it takes to receive it or what is standing in the way opposing it. And we have to have a spirit like Caleb that says, give me this mountain. Give this mountain to me. How, how many remembers the uh, how many remembers the game show Supermarket Sweep? Anybody remember that game show? Body up if you have. You remember that game show? You remember this? And I don't have all the logistics of this game show, but I remember my mother was a game show fanatic. She loved to sit and watch the game show network. Anybody on that page? Uh, she she loved all the game shows, and she would oftentimes watch them, and they'd be on repeat. You know how they do these things, and. Oftentimes, Wheel of Fortune would come up and she would be able to solve all the puzzles, which she had already watched this thing three times. But I remember watching Supermarket Sweep, and, and the idea of Supermarket Sweep was is that you could answer a series of questions. You, you were going to eventually take a basket, a cart, and go through the grocery store and pick up as many items as you can within a certain period of time, a minute or whatever the case. In the process of this show, you could answer a series of questions and add to those minutes. So one minute could become a minute and 15, could be a minute and 30, or whatever the case. And the idea was to pick up all the expensive stuff in the store. So when people would start out on the race of going through, and they've got a minute and 30 seconds, they're immediately headed to the rib aisle, grabbing all the ribs and grabbing all the steaks and grabbing all the expensive laundry detergent, all the things that are expensive. They went headed to the green beans. They weren't headed to the hominy section. They didn't care about the beets. They didn't care about it. They were going for the most expensive stuff. And so the idea of this thing is to, is to be able to capture all that you can in a period of time. So listen, we need to walk into God's storehouse. Go with me for just a second. We need to be able to walk into God's storehouse of promises and grab us a shopping cart and start loading it up with all of God's blessings. How I many knows God's got some blessings for us? And we've got to be able to capture those things. So when, when someone asks you, when someone looks at you and asks you, just like if you were going through a grocery store, who's going to pay the bill on this situation? Who's going to pay for all this stuff? Have you ever been in Sam Club and seen people just load up with carts and stuff? And you're wondering, who's going to pay the bill? Well, can I tell you, spiritually speaking, my God, our Father is going to pay the bill for this thing for me. I don't know anything for this. God laid down His life, sent forth His Son, born of a virgin, born under the law, and I don't know a thing. My Father paid the bill. He paid the bill for us. And I want you to understand that our Father has an endless supply house. And listen, He's picking up the tab in our lives. He's picking up that we don't have to we don't have to try to work and finagle these things out. God's working it out. Caleb trusted the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all our heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Caleb understood that verse and he walked 
in the blessings of God and he wanted to receive all God had for him. So Caleb is a picture of a Christian who is willing to pay any price and fight any battle in order to win the victories that God has waiting for them. The promises for the steady-handed, you understand. The promises for those that are persistent. The promises for those that are eager. The promises for those that are hungry. The promises for those that are young. The promises for those that are old. The promises for those that are patient. It's a whosoever will promise. And God has a promise, you understand, with your name on it today. God has a plight. He has a way for you. He has a direction for you. He has an end result for you. He has things. And I'm not just talking about tangible stuff. God has a place of peace for some of you. God has a place for joy because joy has had a way. You have been stripped of your joy throughout circumstances. And God can get you back to a place of joy. God can get you back to a place of peace. So God has a promise with each one of our names on it. So Caleb was ready to receive. He was ready to receive the promise of God. He said, I've been waiting for this thing far too long and I'm here to receive it. And here's, here's what I understand about Caleb. And this is something I really appreciate about him. The older I get, the less I like my time wasted. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I don't like my time wasted. And Caleb was saying... I, I, I don't want to waste any more time. And in verse number 12, Caleb is looking, if you will, in verse number 12, he's looking metaphorically through the hourglass of his life and he's seeing that things are coming to a close. He's seeing the sands begin to trickle down in his life. And he's saying, I want all that God has for me. Give me this mountain. Give me my promise, God. That's where he stood. Not arrogantly. This was a man who loved God with all of his heart, mind, soul, and strength. This was a man who committed his ways unto the Lord. This isn't a man who was in the world part of the way and decided to serve God with the rest of his life. He was wholly committed, the Bible says, unto the Lord. So what are some things, some characteristics, and i got to try to move through this quickly. I have four points today, what are some characteristics about Caleb that we need to understand today? Number one, I want us to see that Caleb was committed. He was committed. Look at your neighbor and say, you've got to be committed. Ask him the question, are you committed? So the first key of Caleb's success was that God had all of Caleb, hear me, that there was. He had all of Caleb that there was to have. In totality, holy, the Bible says. The Bible said he wholly followed the Lord. This is said about Caleb at least five times you read this in the Old Testament, that he wholly followed the Lord. It is a phrase that means to close the gap. Okay, It is a phrase used by hunters to refer to closing the gap between themselves and their play, and their prey. It refers... It refers to the fact that Caleb was committed to keeping the distance between himself and the Lord to a minimum. He didn't want this to be a distant relationship. He didn't want this to just be a relationship on Sunday where he came and he worshipped the Lord in the temple. He didn't want it to just simply be a far off relationship. He didn't want it to be a relationship where when he needed something, he just came to God. He, was, he had tied this relationship. He wholly followed the Lord. He kept the gap at a very minimum. 
to say, God, I need you in every way, shape, or form, every decision-making process. I want to commit everything that I've got unto the Lord. He didn't reserve anything back for himself. Holy unto the Lord, W-H-O-L-L-Y. He committed his whole life unto God. So the word holy literally means to fill. It carries the idea of filling a sail with air. It is a picture of, of sails filled to capacity with all the available air so that, so that the ship can move across the water with maximum speed. It gives the idea of filling the sail with air. And I want you to understand that we are a vessel of God. Look at your neighbor and say, we're a vessel. We are a ship, if you will, in need of the wind of God. We're a ship in this life in need of the Spirit of God. We're a ship in this world need in need of the direction of God in our life. We need those. So we need the sails full of the wind of the Spirit blowing us wholly in totality to fulfill all that God has for us. We've got to have the wind of His Spirit. We've got to have the leading of the Holy Ghost. You realize we cannot lean on our own understanding in this final hour. In all our ways, we've got to acknowledge Him and He will direct our path. That's what the Bible said. That's the word holy. Committed. So you understand that every inch, every ounce, every nerve, every fiber of Caleb belong to God. And you, listen, you may think because you're not a pastor. You may think today that because you're not a preacher, you may think today that even you're not a deacon or an elder or whatever, that God doesn't expect you to, to have all of you in His life. But that's wrong thinking because God deserves your all. I say God deserves your all. Caleb was holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy His, holy God's. So hear me out. So God made him, Caleb, Holy, H-O-L-Y, His. Set apart meat for the Master's use. He was set apart for God. And that is what we have to be in this life. There's so much that I could extract from this right now. But we have to be holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, His, so He can impart His holiness, H-O-L-Y, unto us. Holiness unto Him. So, how do we obtain the promise? We give God everything. We don't reserve anything back for ourselves. Everything has to become His. Our relationships, our finances, our, our workplaces, everything, our communication, everything has to be His. We've got to give God everything. Look at your neighbor and say, you've got to give it all to Him. You've got to give it all. You've got to give Him everything in your life. Amen? I, I remember hearing a story uh, of Julius Caesar. When Julius Caesar landed on the shores of Britain with the Roman legions, he took a bold and decisive step to ensure that success was for his military venture. He simply ordered his men to halt on the edge of the cliffs of the Dover and he commanded them to look down at the water below. And to their amazement, they saw every ship in which they had crossed the channel engulfed in flames. Caesar had deliberately cut off any possibility of retreat. Now that his soldiers were unable to return to the continent, there was nothing left for them to do but to advance 
and to conquer. And that is exactly what they ended up doing. They advanced. There was nothing left to go back to. And see, that's where 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 comes in where it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. The old things passing away is like burning those ships and saying, I'm not going back to that thing. I'm not going to dabble back. No, God's brought me out of that. And I've got something on the horizon because I'm wholly His. I've got some things. So too many Christians leave themselves an escape hatch back into their old lives of sin. And we need to burn every bridge that leads back to the old life and set our minds to the task of following the Lord and conquering our Canaan land and being Christians God saved us to be. Some people will go to extravagant lengths to avoid doing what they have promised the Lord that they would do and follow the will of God. Extreme lengths of getting out of the will of God. Do you understand today that in order to get out from God's will, you really got to work at that? Because God's not just willing to just let us go freely and quickly and swiftly. He, he, he makes it difficult for us. He'll put obstacles in our place. He'll put struggles in the path. Why? Because He's trying to keep us on track. So He'll go to extravagant lengths to avoid, and people will, to avoid Fulfilling the will of God in their life. People will go to great lengths to not fulfill it. I heard the story of a man who last minute, this, this gentleman was looking to get married. And he was really in a conundrum. He, he really didn't want to follow through with the relationship. And there's a problem right there. Obviously. He's at the day of his wedding. And he's contemplating just simply walking out, not, not showing up. And all of this. So he got these last minute jitters on his wedding day and he was ready to back out. So just a couple hours before the wedding, before the ceremony took place, he got this wild idea that he was going to roll into this nearby town. And in the process of rolling into this nearby town, he entered into a house and he faked a robbery. Okay? It gets crazier when you get out from the will of God. How many knows that? You just continue to continue doing crazier things. And, and sometimes you look at yourself in the mirror and you don't even recognize the person that's there anymore because you've got outside of the will of God. So he rolls into this, this neighborhood, rolls up to this house, gets into this lady's home, and he fakes a robbery and he leaves a trail of clues behind. Okay? <laughs> he even left the owner take a mugshot of him. Again, you'll go to great lengths. Okay, so later he decides this hasn't worked thus far. So he showed up to the church where the wedding was scheduled and the police arrested him and charged him with attempted robbery. All that trouble just to avoid a wedding. I want to say this. I don't want to sabotage God's plan for my life. Some people are the best sabotagers, they don't need help from anybody else. They don't need somebody hating on them, if you will. They don't need somebody coming after them or attacking them. They are their best sabotagers. And I don't want, listen, I don't want to run from God's will. And so this story is, is where we, we find ourselves talking about Caleb 
where he is just trusting God with everything that he has, regardless of the outcome. I heard the story again of this, uh, this, this gentleman who his car broke down. I was thinking about Pastor Sandra and Brother Chad as I was, as I was thinking upon this story. Um, because we've been through a series of situations with our vehicles over the past few months and, and all of that. But this, this gentleman's car breaks down. He calls for a tow truck. And it's one of those tow trucks that just kind of pick up and the rear wheels are still pulling along and all that. You just throw the vehicle up in neutral and drive along. He decides he's going to ride in this vehicle to where it was going to be told, the auto shop or wherever. So in the process of him riding in his car on the back of this tow truck, he, he, he's making his way to this repair shop. They get on this huge hill. They get on this huge hill. And it was a struggle for this tow truck to get up to the top of this hill. And he, he, he says this to this, uh, th this guy in the vehicle, says this to the tow truck operator. He said, I, 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 I didn't know if, if I was going to be able to, or if you were going to be able to make it up this hill. And the tow truck driver said, I, I've never experienced anything like this. This vehicle tows several thousand pounds and I, I don't know what took place. I can't figure it out. And the man replied, I didn't either. I didn't know how it was going to work out. I had no idea. He said, that's why I kept the brakes on. The problem is we can be our own problem. Look at your neighbor and say, sometimes I'm my own problem. I'm the one putting the brakes on. And I'm the one thinking that somebody else is putting the brakes on. And it's been me. So we need to, listen, we need to take our foot off the brake and let God take us wherever He desires without any resistance. We need to let God take us. So when Paul, listen, when Paul encountered the Lord on the road to Damascus, the Lord said, Saul, Saul, why have you persecuted me? Why do you continue to kick against the pricks? You remember that? What I want us to understand is, is Paul was kicking against everything that God... God was trying to bless the man. God was trying to get the man on track. But he just kept kicking against everything that God was trying to do in his life. Listen, God never makes it easy to walk away from Him. He never makes it easy to walk away. So to live without total dedication to Christ is the same as trying to go forward and hold back at the same time. I'm reminded in James chapter number 1, verse number 8, where the Bible said, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. There is one way to stand up against the devil and, and the hordes of hell, and that's to be totally surrendered to Jesus Christ. The only way to stand up against the powers of darkness is to be wholly surrendered unto the Lord. See, we can't be content. We can't say, I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, it just doesn't work. It, it's just not happening. It's just not flowing. I, I, I just don't know what's going to take place. Listen, what you boil everything in your relationship down to is commitment. Whether or not you're truly committed. Listen, I don't know about you, but I don't want a wife that's uncommitted to me and she don't want a husband that's uncommitted to me. Why do we think that we can live a lifestyle where we're uncommitted to God? A double-minded man is unstable in all 
of his ways. Unstable. Instability. A house that is unstable, we understand and know when the storms come, we'll not stand in the midst of a storm that may come. I'm reminded of D.L. Moody, the great, great preacher of yesteryear. He was saved at the age of 19. And D.L. Moody heard an evangelist by the name of Henry Varley. He said these words. This evangelist said these words. He said, the world has yet to see what God can do in and through and within a man who is wholly committed unto him. And I love the response that D.L. Moody had at that time. He said, by God's grace, I will be that man. I will be a man that's solely committed. I will be a woman of God that's solely committed unto God. Listen, when we get our relationship with God right, everything else will fall into place. Somebody say amen. By God's grace, we will be that person. And I want you to understand that D.L. Moody, he was very much uncultured. He was very much an uneducated man. There is, a, there is a Bible institute named after him today, but he was an uneducated man. He was an untrained shoe salesman, but God used him to move continents for Christ. Why? Because he was committed to God. He was committed to the cause. He said, give me this mountain. He was totally sold out to Jesus Christ and him alone. And that's what we have to do. We have to be committed unto Him. So our commitment to Christ affects our other relationships that's in our life. Amen? Our commitment to Christ. When you see and when you find yourself growing cold, it's not just a relationship with God that's going to be affected. It's every other relationship around you that's going to be affected. So it's a trickling down effect that will take place in your life. And I don't know about you, but I want to burn hot for God in this final hour. I want to move forward with God in everything that He has for me. I want to let my light so therefore shine before men that when they see my good works, they will glorify my heavenly Father which art in heaven. we got to move forward this thing. With God in faithfulness. Hallelujah. It comes down to, to one truth. If we, like Caleb, will close the gap between us and Him. Close the gap. Close the gap. I, I, I talk to people a lot. I, I, I love to counsel folks. I'm just intrigued at how many don't listen to the counsel. I'm intrigued by how many won't close the gap. They've got to have 14 other people to verify what you're saying is correct. Close the gap between us and between him. I was talking to an to, to a individual this past week and, and, and I, was, I said, you've got to be committed to God. You need to come to church. You need to get your life totally committed unto Him. And, and all of a sudden it becomes everything else on Sunday morning Except fulfilling the commitment. Listen, I don't know about you, but I'm heaven bound with the hammer down, ready to run to this church to get all God has for me on a Sunday morning. I know I can get it in my own house, but there's something about coming together with God's people, amongst God's believers, and the Spirit of God resting upon this house. And we come together and we experience it together. How about you? Are you excited about God's house? Or have you grown cold for the past 40 years? Caleb had a choice. To grow cold or to continue on. And he continued with God. So number one, we see he was committed. Number two, we see that he was confident. Look at your neighbor and say he was confident. He, he was confident. What was it that gave this 85-year-old man the idea that he was a giant killer? We have to go way back in Deuteronomy chapter number 1, verses 34 to 36, when God made this promise to Caleb. 
And it goes like this. And the Lord heard the voice of the words and the wrath and the swear saying, Surely they shall not one of these men of this evil generation see the good land. This was a part he was referring to. God was referring to in the book of Deuteronomy here. The people that did not come with a good report were not going to see all that God had for them. So he says to them, this evil generation, they will not see the good land, which I swear to give unto your fathers, save Caleb, the man who believed the promise. The Bible said he shall see it. And to him will I give the land that he hath trodden upon and to his children because he hath holy again. There's that word. W-H-O-L-L-Y. He had wholly followed the Lord. Can I tell you, in this Christian walk, I'm allergic to people that say, I can't live it all the time. You know why I'm allergic to that thought process? Because that gives people the idea that they can take God off and put God on whenever they want to. And, and, and Caleb was a man, the Bible said, who was wholly committed and followed the Lord. That will get us to our promised land. Holy, allowing God to enter into hard situations. Anybody had a hard situation this last year? Allowing God into that situation. Allowing God into that struggle. Don't, don't say, God, I got this handled. Lord, I'm going to take care of this. Listen, I can see Caleb now through my spiritual eyes. I can see Caleb now climbing that mountain with one sword in one hand and the deed and the promises of God in the other hand, singing to the top of his lungs, give me this mountain. Listen, Caleb knew God was giving it to him, so he claimed that very thing. Listen, faith is not positive thinking. Faith is not name it and claim it. Faith is not even optimism. Faith is, listen, faith is acting on what God says. Faith is simply talking to God and taking God at his word, believing that he will do everything that he's promised for you. Faith is the substance of things hopeful, the evidence of things not yet seen. Faith is the promise that God has placed in your heart, even though you have not seen it happen yet. You can stand upon that promise. So it's not optimism. It's not like, well, you know, Pastor, I just don't really know. Is it a promise that God placed upon you? Then listen, you can move forward and you can walk in that thing. So faith is more than saying that you, could, that, that you believe what God said. Faith is acting on what you believe. It's acting on that very thing. It takes faith to win this spiritual victory. In fact, one, one faith can, can give us the victory. Faith, only faith can give us the victory in our life. So faith is never a blind leap, you understand. But it's a deep, settled conviction that God will do as He promised. So we see that Caleb was committed. Number two, we see that Caleb was confident. Number three, we see that Caleb was courageous. He was a courageous man. And courage is something we need to have in this hour. Courage to fulfill the promise. Courage to move forward with God. In Caleb's life, commitment led to confidence and confidence led to courage. Caleb had to overcome three great obstacles in this quest with his moving forward to his promised land, that being Canaan. He had to overcome, you remember, in, in Numbers chapter number 13, verse 33, he had to overcome the grasshopper syndrome. You remember the ten spies that went into the land that came back with the bad report that said, we are like grasshoppers unto them. 
They are giants in the land. These people are much bigger than us. So he had to overcome the grasshoppers. For Caleb to claim what God had promised, he had to go against, hear me, beloved, he had to go against the majority. There will always be someone that will say it cannot be done. There will be always be someone that, that has, has never done it that will say things like, we can't afford it. It's just not possible. We can't, we can't, we can't. Can I tell you that my mom used to have a statement, and I love this statement. Maybe you've made it before. She, say, she would say, can't never did do nothing. Can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. Yes, you can. You can move forward with God. You can move forward with the promises of God. You can defeat those giants in your life. Listen, the devil tells you can't. You, you come back and you say, I can through the power of God in my life. I can. I can. He had to overcome the giants. And all of us have giants in our life. All of us have giants, different types of giants. Giants of discouragement. Giants of finances. Giants of sickness. Giants of family. Giants of distress. Giants of doubt, giants of truth. We have, listen, we have to cast down every imagination and high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Giants, we've got to overcome them in our life. We can look at some uh, various things, some various giants in our lives, and, and we, look, we can look at them through the lens of fear. Anybody ever been fearful about a situation? Right, we all have. 2 Timothy chapter number 1, verse number 7, Paul told and reminded Timothy that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. He's given us not a spirit of fear. So when fear comes upon you, listen, the acronym for fear is uh, false evidence appearing real. God will oftentimes put us in a place where we have to trust Him. The enemy will take that thing and flip it around and try to make it fearful unto us. He will flip the script, but we have to exercise faith. We can, we can look at small giants. Listen, we can look at the giants in our life that are small in comparison to our God. The giants, every one of them that we conquer in our life will be small in comparison to our, our God. Uh, I was reading a story. Uh, I, I've been very intrigued this year. I've been reading a lot of books and, and, and things and, and God's just really been depositing some things. But I read about this man by the name of Derek uh, Redmond, and he was a British runner that participated in the 1992 Olympic Games in Barcelona, and he was running the 400 meter race. He he pulled a hamstring in the process of running this race. He pulled a hamstring and he fell to the ground. And everyone he was picked to win this this race in in Barcelona, and everyone thought that he was finished. Everybody thought that he was done. But but much to the surprise of the spectators and all the other courageous athletes that were sitting watching him, he was down on his hands and knees. He slowly stood and began to hobble around that track. He said, I'm not going to end this thing like this. This race is not going to end like this. So with, with great diligence that he had, he, he found himself back in the race, getting back onto his feet. And here's what took place. As he was beginning to fall again, all of a sudden, what appeared to be just an average spectator in the crowd comes out of the crowd and runs up next to him, runs up next to Derek, grabs him around the side, and walks with him to the finish line. 
What many people found out later is that that was his father. His father seen something in him that he said, you know what? My son is looking like he's not going to make it right now. So I got to come alongside. I'm reminded of a story when Jesus was hanging on the cross and when we thought all was done. When we thought all was just simply cast aside. But I'm reminded today that God showed up in that time. He came alongside of our Savior. Listen, He brought things to to uh, the finish line for us, for our, us spiritually today. And listen, I'm going to tell you something. Don't give up in the midst of your run with God, your walk with God. Do not give up in the, the race. Keep moving forward. And listen, to everybody's surprise, all of a sudden, He made it cross that finish line with His Father holding Him up into place. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. I can't make it to the finish line, spiritually speaking, without my Father coming alongside of me. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? Now, if you think you've got all the answers, and if you think you're strong enough, then this message doesn't apply to you. But if you are weak in spirit today, if you understand that you're nothing without God, and you're nothing about without the goodness of God, then you understand what I'm saying, that you need God in every area of your life. You can't leave Him out along the way. And there's times when I'm running the race, and there's times I've fallen down and skinned my knees, but there's times when God will show up right when I need Him, and I'm about ready to fall again for the third time. And He puts His arms around me, and He says, we're about to finish this thing together. That's where he was with Caleb. And he shows up. So we see, and I'm about to try to close this thing down. We see here that Caleb was committed. We see, number two, that Caleb was confident. We see, number three, that Caleb was courageous. And number three, we see Caleb is a conqueror. He's a conqueror. We got to have a conquering spirit. I don't know about you, but we can't quit on this thing. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, it's not time to quit. It's not time to quit. It's not time to quit. Listen, when, when, when you boil all of the fat away, listen, when you boil all the fat of the way, courage, listen, courage can be defined, courage can be defined with three letters. Y-E-S. All real Christian courage is this. It is willing to say yes to God in whatever He's doing in your life. He's just simply, you're simply willing to say, God, yes to whatever He puts in your path. Yes to whatever the struggle is. Yes to whatever the trial is. Yes. Y E yes. So we see here a very courageous man. Caleb experienced what God had promised. He climbed the mountain and he defeated the giants and he claimed the possession. The name of the place that Caleb inherited was called Hebron. This means fellowship. Now I want us to understand this. Pastor Sandy, you can come now if you would please. Caleb refused to quit until he had obtained everything the Lord had for him. He refused to stop until he had obtained the place of fellowship with God. A place of fellowship. How many knows you can be in a place of fellowship with God? A place of where you walk with Him. You understand what I'm talking about? When I'm talking about fellowship, you fellowship, you walk with Him, you talk with Him, just like He's your spouse, just like He's a friend, just like, pretend like you're texting God. Young people, fellowship, communication, walking with Him in the cool of the day, just like Adam did in the book of the Genesis. 
We are in fellowship with God. And Caleb walked in fellowship with him. Caleb refused to quit until he had obtained everything that the Lord had for him. He refused to stop until he had obtained a place of fellowship with his God. And listen, this needs to be our battle cry. We must refuse to give up. Look at your neighbor. We ain't giving up. Say, we ain't giving up today. We, 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 we need to make up our mind. We need to refuse to give up. We need to refuse to back up. We need to refuse to shut up. We need to refuse to be held up until you have stood up, lined up, read up, prayed up, confessed up, stored up, spoke up, looked up, and filled up on everything that God has for His children. We've got to be in a place where we receive. We ought to, we, listen, we should not settle for nothing less than a place of perfect fellowship with our Lord and our God. Perfect fellowship that we have. Can we stand to our feet today? I'm going to bring this to a landing strip. God has a place of peace and a place of power for each one of us. He has a place of victory that He wants us to walk in. He's asking us today to claim the possessions. Claim it. How do I claim it, Pastor? Am I, am I just going around telling God I need it, I want it, I need it, I desire it? Lord, you promise, you promise. No, it's simply fulfilling the call of God. Just walking in the cool of the day with Him. Every single day, walking by faith, not by sight. You know, we don't have to remind God of all the promises. There's times when you may feel like that's on your spirit, and that's okay to do that. I'm not hating on that. But we just have to trust God in the process to get us to a place where we can say, give me this mountain. It's not too difficult. But listen, I don't want to drop, die in a wilderness somewhere. I don't want to be like the other ten spies who never received the promises of God. I want to fulfill and have and receive all that God has for me. How about you? Is there some promises right now that God has put in your heart, your mind, your spirit that you've got to hold on to and you've got to hold fast to right now? Are there some, maybe there's some miracles, some, some things that you need. You're believing God for something so outlandish to everybody else, but the promises of God are yea and amen into your spirit. You know, there's some promises that I've never shared with anybody, including my spouse. And it's not that I don't want to share some of those things with her, but here's the thing. Sometimes we can talk about the promises of God and people will talk us out of the promises of God. Slow to speak. Swift to hear. Listening to the voice of God. Lord, what are you saying? What's next for me? That's what's on somebody's spirit right now. What's next? Can I tell you, faithfulness is always next. So if you're looking for a word today, your next word is faithfulness. Being faithful. Staying in the game. Staying on track. Staying where God wants you. Be a Caleb in this generation where there's a whole lot of other ten spies that are running around saying, oh, they're like grasshoppers. Oh, we need some giant slayers. We need some giant slayers in this generation. We need some people that will stand up and say, we're well able to take the city I know what your eyes see, but God promised us that we will take it. And His promises are yea and amen today. So I want us to lift up our hands both toward heaven right now if we're able to. Maybe you're, maybe you're in need and you're asking God for a promise right now. Lift your hands just for a few moments. Come on, I want you to begin to pray. I want you to begin to pray out loud. I want you to begin to call upon God. I want you to say these words to Him and I want you to mean it. God, I'm wholly yours. I'm W-H-O-L-L-Y, yours, holy, yours. And in return, Lord, you will make me H-O-L-Y, holy, yours. 
holy. I give myself to you in complete fashion, Lord. Nothing reserved, nothing set aside. Meet for the master's use that I need in order to fulfill all God has for me. Listen, there will be trials. Look up to me just for a few moments. There will be trials in our life. Anybody been through some trials? Can I tell you that God had a flood for Noah? He had a fire for three Hebrew boys. He had a lion's den for Daniel. And he had a cross for Jesus Christ. But there was victory in the midst of each one of these trials. And victory can be ours if we'll just keep walking with God. Victory can be ours no matter how big the trial is. Keep walking with God. Keep trusting God. And when everybody else is saying, oh, well, it didn't work. And it did, you know, how are you still walking by faith when you haven't seen a single bit of evidence that?